Dennis, Mike Barnes. Dennis will take care of your training. Welcome to part two of my interview with Sensei William Christopher Ford. You may know him as Dennis, Terry Silver's henchman in Karate Kid 3. And William is an actor and filmmaker in projects such as 52 Masters, The Last Dojo. I consider him one of my senseis. You know, he was very, very much like a, a father figure to me. And the upcoming Lucky Knight, a junker's tale. <laughs> and of course, William is a martial arts expert who started studying at the age of seven, received his black belt at the age of 13, and teaches martial arts at his Kaizen Dojo in Torrance, California. I have a link to part one of this interview in the description if you haven't seen it, and the second part starts now. You have such an interesting background. I want to ask you, how did you get started in studying the martial arts? You were you were very young. Um, my first um, conscious thought about what martial arts was was from the uh, Kung Fu series starring David Charity. And I used to watch that. That was my favorite show. I didn't know any martial arts at the time, but I loved watching this character, Kwai Chan Kane, on his adventures every week. And I knew every week people were going to cause trouble for him and he was going to take care of himself. And that was the first time I'd ever seen martial arts. And I was just amazed. This guy is a superhero. And I look forward to seeing that every week. Some years later, uh, locally here in California, I don't know if you remember this, uh, there was a place called Japanese Deer Park. It was in Buena Park, California. Yeah. It was um, based on, I guess, you know, certain tropes that, that were actually Japanese, you know, Japanese dance, koi ponds, pearl diving, and Japanese foods, you know, things like that. There was Japanese architecture. And one of the live shows they had was a live action karate or karate show that starred none other than Shihan Fumio Demura and his team of martial arts students. And they put this show on several times a day. My mom and dad took me to see the show. And it was very dynamic, very theatrical, very entertaining and exciting. And that was the first time I'd actually seen martial arts live and specifically karate live. So that was the second seat. <laughs> so needless to say, I, I had a, a pretty good start in terms of um, my inspiration. A few years later, I was at school. I think I was in the third grade or so. And I had a buddy named Joe who I just signed up at the local karate dojo. And he said, hey, man, I'm taking karate. I mean, you know, you got to take it too. And I was like, okay, that sounds fun. And he was already showing me his moves. I think he'd only been in class for a few weeks, but he knew more than me. So, you know, on the playground, he was showing me his moves. And he tells my mom, Mrs. Ford, you know, we got to take him down to the dojo because we've already signed him up. And I was like, what do you mean? We've already signed him up. <laughs> so I ended up meeting the instructor whose name was Glenn Robago. And Sensei Glenn was just, you know, he was a very good martial artist, but he was like a brother from a brother from Hawaii. And I had in my mind the idea of Kwai Chan Kane. And I thought when you talk to the master, you have to speak in broken English. So he was like, okay, so you like start? And I was like, yes, master, but first I must use your bathroom. And he looked at me really strange. And my mom kind of looked at me like, what is wrong with my son? And I ended up going, you know, I mean, 
put my uniform on and everything. And then that was kind of it. And uh, unfortunately, since Glenn had a lot of demons, some baggage, he wasn't the most responsible instructor. You know, back in the day, things were different. If, you, know, while, you know, while I believe that, yes, hard work, yes, discipline is important, you know, there is a line that you can cross that can become um, just like, that's just not a good way to train kids. You know, when we're getting beat up all the time by him, you know, I, you know having to spar him. And, you know, him kicking me and, you know, enough to actually bring tears to my eyes and you know, kind of make me fly across the room. And I, I don't want to do this anymore. This was not making me feel confident. It was not building me up. Fortunately, his brother, Richard Rubago, took over the dojo. And from then on, I began to thrive. And, you know, since Richard, uh, neither, neither brother is living anymore. But since Richard was a much better sensei, he was responsible. He was a family man. He knew how to work with kids. He knew how to push us. He knew how to be strict with us without having the personal attacks. And under him, I really thrived and really learned uh, to grow to you know, love the martial arts. There was another instructor there at the time named David Liu. Also, he has passed on. And he was great because he taught me fundamentals of like boxing and kickboxing. So... I got a chance to start, uh, that was a, kind of like the beginning of sort of my mixed martial arts, uh, cross training, um, open-mindedness towards martial arts because showing me how to throw a hook punch. And, you know, when I first learned that, I was like, oh, that's gotta be the stupidest punch I've ever learned because I was like, eh, you know, and he's like, no, no, you gotta turn your shoulders and your hips into it. And then one day I just went, and I popped the bag and I was like, wow, that really works. And. It was largely because of um, Sensei Dave and Sensei Richard Rubago that I really began to love the martial arts. I loved going to the dojo and training. And there were two different individuals that taught me different things. But I, I really respected them both and learned how to appreciate what each of them was teaching me. And then I, I discovered Bruce Lee, like the rest of the world, and I kind of lost my mind. And, the way that happened was there was a, a screening of a movie called The Game of Death. And this had, they, they basically had shot some footage before Bruce died. And it was him fighting Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> Dan Inosanto. And, you know, he was fighting the Hapkido Master. And this footage had been not seen for, you know, five, six years, something like that. Um, Columbia Pictures decided to... They're going to make a movie based on this. And they put this movie together. It wasn't a very good movie, you know, but there was a lot of excitement. And they did this premiere in Hollywood that Linda Lee, Bruce's widow, was there. Brandon Lee was there. Shannon Lee was there. His kids. Um, Dan Inosato was there. And they invited all these martial arts schools to come to the screening. You could get in for free as long as you wore your uniform. So... Even my mom didn't take karate. My mom put on her uniform, but you know, she might, my instructor let her borrow a uniform. And we all went down there, we carpooled down there. And I went into the movie theater. I just thought, well, this is fun because, you know, it's a field trip and we get to see a, a movie, a karate movie. This is really cool. And the lights went down, the crowd went nuts. Anytime the real Bruce Lee showed up on screen, the crowd just went crazy. And I didn't realize that this was a double at the time. I was a kid. You know, you look back at it now and it's really bad where they have this, like, they, they did this, like, took like an X-Acto knife and did a 
a cutout from one of his other movies and pasted the head on the body. And, you know, back then I couldn't tell, but right now you just go, oh, this is awful. You know, maybe they ought to redo this with CGI. The last part of the movie is when he enters the tower and that's where they cut to, you know, about 13 minutes of the, the real Bruce Lee. And the crowd is taking flash pictures of the screen, just going nuts. And it was just electric. Wow. And I went home transformed. I knew that I wanted to be like this guy. That started my whole collection of magazines and posters. And um, my mom even bought me the uh, the Bruce Lee Chaku from the Philadelphia. It was the Asian world of martial arts from in Philadelphia, which is still in existence. They would advertise the magazines in the magazines, and you get the 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 the, the yellow and black nunchaku that Bruce Lee had. So I might beg my mom and she ordered it. Back then, they would just ship it to California. They don't, I don't think they do that anymore. And the package finally came and I opened it up and it was like, I, I, I had this heavy wooden noon chocolate and I still have them to this day. And I took them out and bam, I hit myself on the head, you know, and I broke lamps and I hit myself with the shin and I absolutely loved it. So that was, that was another major event that really kind of set me on fire and then there was um meeting uh, you know master tadashi amashita who was the uh, sensei of my sensei he was a Tsurubago sensei uh really well known for being a sort of a, a weapons master and um you know a renowned shorin rukarate master all over the world started opposite chuck norris in the octagon he played sakura his half brother and just a very very dynamic individual uh intense um you know difficult master to serve and i haven't i haven't seen or spoken to him in 10 years but i definitely benefited from my training with him got a lot out of it so i give respects you know to all my teachers i've studied with many more i've studied other styles as well but that's kind of the foundation of um of what eventually led into you know karate three and you know doing other things opening my dojo and things like that uh it sounds like you have experience with so many senseis that have associations or experience in show business and in movies and film, uh, your appreciation and love for Bruce Lee and what he did. Uh, is that what started your interest in acting? Partially it was Bruce Lee and seeing, um, you know, the game of death was definitely one of those, those, those turning point movies that I had seen enter the dragon was the one I think that really pushed me over the edge because that's, the classic Bruce Lee movie. It was in 1977 where I got a chance to see Star Wars in the movie theater. Not on DVD, not on VHS, but Star Wars, not episode four. It was just called Star Wars. And I wanted to be on Solo. And Harrison Ford was very instrumental in me wanting to become an actor too because he went on to do Indiana Jones and Blade Runner. And Harrison Ford was my man that time and you know i still have a high regard for him but yeah i would say it was those two individuals bruce lee and harrison ford that were the uh, most influential in what i wanted to do wow that's so interesting now in addition to those obviously during the 80s we had uh one or two movies come out you might have heard of called uh, the karate kid uh, <laughs> and the karate kid part two yes now did you remember seeing those and at the time, and I'm just curious as to your thoughts at the time when those came out. The first time I'd heard about the Karate Kid was through Daryl Vidal, who played 
the cider Vidal karate kid what he and i were friends we we competed on the same s- local tournament circuit i would see him all the time daryl was great back then he was a great martial artist he was able to whoop his leg out multiple kicks and he was like like a filipino bruce bruce lee and i would run into him all the time and we were always very friendly he said hey i'm gonna be in a movie and i was like yeah and he said yeah it's called the karate kid karate kid and at that time there was a dc comics character called the karate kid and i guess uh Right. I guess Columbia Pictures actually got permission to use that in their title, but it was like, well, that's that's kind of a dumb name for a movie, <laughs> which I think a lot of people thought, including like Ralph Macchio and all the, you know, all the people involved in the movie, probably the exception of director John Abelson and uh, maybe the writer, thought it was a pretty dumb name. But I uh, went to see the movie. Now I didn't want to go see this movie at first when it first came out because I was since kind of rolling my eyes. But actually, one of the young students at Cinder Barbara's Dojo, his family had gone and they said, oh, you really have to see this movie. It's so good. And we'll, we'll take you. And I was like, oh, OK. So I went there with them and I, I didn't want to like the movie, but I got sucked into it. And it was because of the characters and the story and the empathy that was was created and I got sucked in just like everybody else and was inspired and walked out of that movie there thinking that was a really, really good. Then the sequel came out. Of course, I, I needed to go see that because it takes place in Okinawa, which was actually filmed in Hawaii. And it looked like it's going to be pretty cool, you know, different. And sure enough, it was. And so, uh, yeah, I was already very familiar with the Karate Kid universe prior to Karate Kid. You got a sneak preview of um, uh, a, a short film I did called Lucky Night, A Junker's Tale. In yes. which I get to fight yes. uh, a gentleman named Jeff Jets. And so you've got to see me do a lot more fighting and acting and being not so nice a guy without keeping away too much of that. It seemed me as a bad guy, right? Oh, yeah. In this movie, William plays a very intimidating person uh, who's very skilled in the martial arts. And uh, it's it's a really great showcase. And I was wondering, could you tell us a little bit about how this came about? I was contacted by my buddy, Jeff Jets, who is a uh, longtime martial artist. He was a student of Billy uh, Liu Fong, pal around with Bruce Lee, with very close to Bruce Lee. Jeff contacts me, says they're looking for somebody to, they're, they're, they're working on a movie called Jumpers and he needs somebody to fight in Alley. He asked me if there's somebody that I know. I sent him some names and I said, yeah, these guys are really good and they could definitely do the job. I guess the director, Nick Nielsen, was, she said, well, they were okay, but not quite what they were looking for. They wanted to know maybe if I wanted to do something. And I said, sure, of course, let me know what I can do. You know, I hench very well. You know, I'm a good henchman. And Jeff Jets, being the gentleman that he is, very respectful man, um, great martial artist, says, I can't have William be just a thug. You know, given his experience, given the amount of time he's put in the art, we have to have a fight. 
and I want you to guys to give him something more to do. And they did. And it turned out to be pretty significant. I mean, my character is the other is, is to the main antagonist in this, in this showcase. And we get to have a long fight and I do get to show some of the things that I've been talking about, my martial arts skills that I've learned over the years, a darker side to me that is, is very far from my real personality, but I'm able to draw upon it. Well, yeah, everybody's got that dark side. So that's what happened. And I was very fortunate that Jeff being as generous and not threatened by me at all, just, and I, he was very happy with my performance and they were talking about bringing my character back in, in, in the future version. So we shall see, but that's how that came about. And, uh, I was just very fortunate to be asked to be part of that. Uh, for everyone who hasn't seen it yet, it is a lot of fun. I am so happy. I got a sneak preview, uh, of that and where can people look, look to see it? Is, is there, um, a release date yet, uh, of any kind? If people want to check this out, I think it's going to be available actually to be watched online in just a few months. So I, I would look sometime in the summertime, you know, we'll be announcing it. Kajo Smalls, you're killing me, Smalls. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's a very memorable character. It's a memorable performance. If he comes back, I will be for, for, for round two, I will be uh, very happy to see that, you know, obviously through your life, through your acting work. There is this consistent theme of martial arts and your love for the martial arts. And I was wondering if you could talk about how it's important to you, but also how it could be important to other people. And who would you encourage to look into martial arts for studying? Who do you think would benefit from martial arts? You know, most of my students, I had the good fortune and the honor and pleasure of working with a lot of kids being able to help them build confidence where maybe they didn't feel confident, helping them to believe in themselves, helping them to become physically, mentally, emotionally, and be spiritually strong through martial arts training and my, just sort of like showing up and being an, an example, uh, sort of a little model. Uh, and I've seen the benefit of it. But you don't have to be a kid, you know, it's, it's never too late. You know, I studied, I've trained people as over seventies even, and men, women, there's just a lot of benefit to studying a martial art. And it, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't have to be karate. It can be jujitsu, high kickboxing, control, wrestling, you know, whatever. Whatever it is that you find appealing about it, you really, um, it, it can be a very transforming vehicle for somebody. Obviously, the Karate Kid movies and Cobra Kai deal with bullying, you know, and bullying has always been a constant problem for adults, but also especially for kids. Um, talk a little bit about how uh, martial arts can help someone deal with uh, being bullied. You know, the the idea that well, if you are bullied, somebody will do this to you and then you can respond with this technique. Okay. That, there is some truth to that. Right. 
somebody tries to hit you, you don't get hit, and you're able to retaliate back and make the boom stop. That is true. But more important, being able to have the strength and confidence to, one, if you are confronted with bullies, which oftentimes they will taunt you, try to attack your self-esteem, if you're a strong enough person to where that doesn't affect you, you've just taken away the woman's power. Martial arts is not a guarantee, but it can certainly help with that, being able to shrug things off and also come back with a strong verbal response. Um, and oftentimes people who study martial arts are, they carry themselves a different way. The head is up, shoulders are back, you're more aware, hopefully. And bullies tend to like to pick on people who they think are weaker than they are. When you show up and you are confident in the eye to keep cool, things don't phase you, and you have the ability to call out a bully, They tend to go back into the shadows. They leave you alone. Find somebody else to pick on. Because bullies are people who are damaged. They are people who have been abused. People who have been bullied themselves. People who are looking to make themselves feel better about themselves. I feel empathetic. So it's not as simple as, well, they're bad guys. Well, they're doing bad things. They should be doing that. But it's a cycle that keeps being perpetuated and carried on. But martial arts is good for all those things, but more important building the foundational strength, having that pillar of confidence, self awareness, being able to stand. And that's 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 where the real anti bullet. Because as you know, it's not just about somebody knocking books out of your hand. It's cyberbullying. It's, you know, this whole social media thing. You can be bullied on that, you know, very decently. And, you know, there's just a ton of other things. There's, there's, there's the taunting, the shaming, all that other stuff. And uh, you have to be able to call it out. Once you shine light on that, oftentimes it will go away. That being said, it's good to have the physical tools also because after all that, sometimes there's nothing like a good old fashioned punch in the nose, make it both a little below. Hopefully that's the last resort. Now, now you, you've opened, you have the Kaizen Dojo, which um, now how long has that been open? We've been open for 10 years. So for 10 years and you're, and if someone is in the Torrance, California area, uh, you're accepting students. I'm a bit of a waiting list right now. Um, after the pandemic, we, you know, we were kind of inundated with people wanting to get back out and do things, but yes, I am still taking students, but some of the classes, you have to wait a little bit, but I'm also happy to recommend, I have a lot of friends teach martial arts or have their own schools in the area and i'm always happy to 
uh, refer them. You know, there's the Gracie Jiu Jitsu, which I study at, Machida Karate, um, a bunch of other people are, are great teachers. So I'm not the only game in town. Um, but if they want to study with me, yes, they, I'm definitely easy to find. Well, that's great. And, and for everyone kind of around the planet, even who's interested in studying martial arts, do you have any advice on, uh, selecting a good dojo? Like, how do you know a place might be a good place to study or that might have, you know, a good, a good sensei? Um, my research always starts with the internet. Now I always go to Yelp and look at the reviews. It's not always a one percent accurate indicator, but it can at least kind of give you an idea. I look at the website, uh, you know, people talk. I would very recommend visiting the dojo, see if the place resonates with you, see how the instructors are. So you can feel a connection, look at how they teach, look at what they're teaching, look at whether or not it's within the budget. Do you, do you think what they're teaching is, you know, does it correspond with what they are charging? You can't necessarily put a value, a dollar value on some of the skills that are being taught because I think they're invaluable. But there are what you call Nick dojos, which all they're interested in is taking your money, you know, and pay $5,000 and bang, 10 years old and you're a black belt. What does that even mean? That's, that's, that's certainly not fair to the kid, you know, because he's running around thinking that he knows something, you know, he might be in for a rude awakening. I, I believe in putting not, not the money first and not the art first. I believe in putting the clients, the students, the people first as an instructor. And if you're looking for an instructor, maybe that would resonate. It's like, is this person going to be first or is he just after my money or, you know, and then there are instructors who are, they mean well, but they're on the other opposite end of that. Well, everything is about the art, you know, and, uh, everything is about the grandmasters and, and the arts and everything. You don't study any place else and you have to, and it becomes very almost a cold like, you know, and I don't think that's healthy, but it's gotta be a personal decision. You know, you, just, you meet somebody and you go, oh, I really like this person. I want to study with him or her. I like this style, you know? Yeah, you know, rather than just sort of sign on the dotted line without checking it out, everybody should do their research. And I want to also ask you about a couple of projects because obviously you're an actor, but you're also a filmmaker. Um, you have this really exciting series on your YouTube channel uh, called 52 Masters. I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. That's uh, definitely a passion project of mine that so I was 51 years old and I wanted to do something to celebrate turning 52. And I'm kind of a big guy. You know, I, I like catchy titles and things that, especially if they correspond with numbers sometimes. And 52 is like, well, there's 52 cards in a the deck, there's 52 weeks in a year, 52. So I came up with the number 52. 52 what? 52 experts, 52 black belts. So, oh, 52 masters. That's really catchy. So... The idea was go train with one martial arts master, and they don't have to be a master per se, but just you know, an expert or somebody who's just really good at what they do. And then train with them and then interview, talk about life, whatever we want to talk about. And we'll do 52, 15 minute episodes. We'll do one, one episode per year, so per week, per year. <laughs> that would take forever, right? Um, 
And so that was the intention. And just logistically, it was really tough to be able to do one every week. You know, um, the the camera guys that I get are just really amazing. But the friends of mine, they always are willing to do me a friends and family favor. And sometimes they got busy with other projects. And sometimes it was difficult coordinating with, you know, that I wanted to train with. So it's taken longer than I thought. And we've gotten up to maybe... 36, 35, 36 episodes. So I have a few more and I have to finish. And I'm not changing it to 56 masters. Because everybody's just like, well, just change it. I'm 55 years old now. And I don't want to change the time. It's just like, well, it was really challenging. And you know, at the end of the day, there will be 52. So maybe it takes me, I hope it doesn't take me 52 years, but I just, uh, I got to finish. I got some people on the list I definitely want to interview. Um, I got I got a couple in the can, and a couple of my favorite ones were Ron Thomas and Daryl Vidal, Karate Kid alumni. Those, those, those episodes became kind of fan favorites as well. And I got a chance for all of us to show and talk about what we know. And Ron Thomas being you know, a legitimate jiu-jitsu guy and Daryl Vidal, and you know they get to throw me around and, you know, kick me in the neck and all this good stuff. And then, you know, we get to talk about their life and we get to see their humanity. And uh, that's what I love about the show. I love training with people, but I, I love more, even more so being able to talk to people and getting them to show me something human about them. Show me their heart. We always have a good time. We always have a good laugh. So we're not done yet. Haps village. Well, Everyone who is interested in seeing this, I will put a link down to your YouTube channel. So you have uh, all of these videos and more, including a documentary called The Last Dojo, which is excellent. Thank you. Um, everyone should check that out. You've done a lot of work uh, with charities, with the St. Jude Children's Hospital. And I was wondering if you could talk a bit about your association with that charity and the project that you're doing right now. You know, part of the philosophy of Kaizen is continual improvement. It's not just continual improvement as a martial artist, it's continual improvement as a person. And so I, in 2014, I started doing fundraisers for St. Jude Children's Hospital. I, I, I like that organization so much because they, they take in kids who are, who have cancer and they treat them and it doesn't cost the family anything. They pay for their, the travel, the lodging, the food and the treatment and I, I just love that. So I've been doing some sort of fundraiser for St. Jude almost every year. And, uh, sometimes they try to come up with unique ideas. So idea we had come up with was let's me, Daryl Vidal from Karate Kid One, Ron Thomas, who played Bobby Brown in Karate Kid One. All of us are, th are legitimate black belts. So we took a picture here at the dojo and it was taken by a gentleman named AJ Jabari, amazing photographer. And we took that picture and we sent it over to Mark Kerr. His, uh, his handle was Let's Be Born. Just an amazing, amazing artwork. You've seen it. It's just, he's incredible. And I said, you know what? Let's call this the, the, the legitsu training, legitsu, like the art of legitimacy, right? And yes. Just sort of like, okay, it's, it's paying homage to commitments, to hard work, to, you know, just being 
legit. It's not bragging. It's not saying that we're better than anybody. It's just saying, hey, this is what commitment is about. And we're also committed, all of us are committed to giving back and paying forward. So Mark Kerr created this just amazing print, and it's just beautiful. I mean, it was a collaborative effort with all of us. And we are selling that to basically raise funds for the hospital. All proceeds, we're not making any money from it. All proceeds go to the hospital. And people can contact me and find out how they can get one. All of us have signed it. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool thing to have. It's limited edition. So very, very few people will, will actually have it. It's 8 by 10 It's very nice. It's printed on photographic paper. You know, it'll look wonderful being framed. And you guys will be contributing to uh, a very, very big cause. Wow, that's excellent. And I will, all that information will be down in the description. Um, so everyone, please, uh, this sounds like an amazing opportunity, uh, kind of a limited opportunity uh, to, to help support the St. Jude Children's Hospital. There have been some people who've already uh, purchased one and contributed. And I, I just, you know, you guys know who you are. And I want to thank you guys for that. Thank you for your support. Appreciate you. You're always, you guys always have my back. That's very much appreciated. Well, William, um, we've had such a great conversation uh, talking about so many different things and you have so many projects, so many things coming up. Uh, what is the best way for people to follow you? Well, my preferred social media is Instagram, either real, really real William Christopher Ford or just William Christopher Ford. I, I, I use two different accounts, but both film on me. And that's the best way to follow me. Email is kaizendojoselfs at gmail.com. And you, you can put it in the description. And uh, Sensei, William Christopher Ford, it is an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for, for this wonderful discussion. Here's mine. Thank you so much. I look forward to doing it again. Thank you. I'd love to have you back. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, go ahead and hit subscribe and like, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Want to be part of the live KenCast show? Subscribe to the Ken Cole YouTube channel and hit the notification bell to get alerts about every new show. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you next time on KenCast. Mm-hmm.